and welcome to Soul Talk with Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Rabbi Aaron, last week we had a fascinating conversation about what it, does it mean that I have a soul? And ultimately, it comes down to the essence of who I am as a soul. And I highly recommend you listen to that episode if you have not done so yet. And you will definitely, and I have been giving a lot of thought to rethinking myself, who am I? right? Who's the essence of who I am? Who am I really? But that really brought us to another question, which I would like to address this week is what am I doing here? Meaning souls have been brought down into this earth. Um, what, what's the purpose of souls being here in the first place? Uh, yes. Excellent question. You know, the, our sages teach us something quite um, cryptic says that God craves to be in this world and what would that mean that god wants to be in this world and how is he going to get into this world uh through us because the soul is a part of god not that god breaks up into little parts like slices of pizza but like uh, we are facets of god most people think that god is an infinite individual over there who created a bunch of infinitesimal individuals over here. And, um, and there's this infinite distance between us. But actually, uh, Judaism teaches that there is nothing but God. And we are a facet of him. We're not God. We're a facet of him. We're kind of like a baby in the womb of her mother. The baby's not the mother. But then again, the baby's in the mother. The baby's a part of the mother. The baby has no independent capacity to survive, I mean, while in the womb anyways. And so uh, we are to God like a baby's in the womb of its mother. And, um, you know, when we were children, I think we were all taught that God is abso absolutely good. Um, well, I would like to explore the parameters of good. And I think we once had this conversation before, but it's necessary to repeat, to explain, to give an answer. What are we souls doing here in the world? Uh, which is the same thing as saying, what is a, so to speak, a little piece of God doing in the world? Mm. Again, not that God breaks up into pieces, but a facet, an aspect. So uh, let's say you've got two guys. One's name is Ben and the other guy's name is Jerry, uh, not from the ice cream. And Ben is good, was good, always will be good, cannot but be good. He's obsessive, compulsively good. Uh, he does kindness. He cannot not be kind. He's always kind. He's compulsively, obsessively kind. Is he, is he kind? Yeah, he's kind, but he's kind of a robot. But then you got another guy who is um, challenged. He's not always so kind. He has a a temptation within him to not be so kind and be stingy. So um, when these two fellows, Ben and Jerry, sees that there is a, uh, a requirement for someone, a commandment for someone to be hospitable, well, Ben, who is kind, was kind, always will be kind, cannot but be kind, has always been hospitable. He cannot not be hospitable. But Jerry, who that's not something that naturally comes to him and he has to choose to be hospitable. When Jerry chooses to be hospitable, is his hospitality equal to Ben's? 
I think we all intuit that no, that although we would say that Ben is hospitable, Jerry, who is choosing to be hospitable, even though uh, he's uh, tempted not to be, I think we all intuit that there is a kind of a, a an added richness to his kindness. And so going back to God, if God is absolutely good, then does God include the possibility of a goodness that is demonstrated through choice? Because if we say that God cannot include that possibility, that would be telling us that God is not the epitome of all goodness when we were told that he is. It says in the Talmud that when God created the world, he saw the world and he said every day it was good. At the end of creation, he said it was very good. Our sages tell us that good correlates to our good inclination and very good correlates to our evil inclination. We have this urge to not be so good. How is it possible that the evil inclination would be associated with the very good? Mm. And that's because Ben, who is good, was good, always will be good. He's good. But Jerry, who struggles with it from time to time and has to choose to be good, he's very good. So that goes back to what are we doing? What on earth are we doing here? We are a part of God put in a world that is very challenging, very difficult, We've been given urges that are contrary to the good. And when we face those urges and we choose good, nonetheless, we have demonstrated the very good. And to sum it up, we've come to this world to be very good. Mm. Our goal in life is to choose good. And, um, you know, a lot of people say, I'm a good person. I've never hurt anybody. That's not good. That's just not being bad. Uh, good is I, I'm kind to people. Very good is even when I don't feel like being kind to people, I'm going to choose to be kind nonetheless. And that's what we've come to the world to do. Uh, we are expressing a possibility of God, which is this ability to choose good, even when we don't feel like it. So when a person chooses love, even though they feel like hating, when it person chooses peace even though they feel like warring that's in a very exceptional manifestation of love and peace and that's who we are we are expressing a facet of god's greatness if we choose to play our part You know, to a degree, this turns everything on its head for me because I would have thought that someone who has, I, I, it's, on the one hand, I agree with you that the guy who has no choice but to be good, how significant and meaningful are his good choices compared to the guy who has to actively choose it. But I think many of us would almost feel like we would prefer or see it would be better to have a easier set of life circumstances, easier personality traits. Uh, to make the good choices. But on the other hand, from what I'm, I think I'm understanding is someone who's specifically actually a soul who's given harder circumstances in life, more challenging personality traits to overcome in certain ways that they, they can be very good, meaning more good than a person who has a little bit easier in life, easier circumstances, easier sets of personality and character traits. Right. Well, well the truth is that we shouldn't really compare each other because everybody according to their own level 
So for some people, something might look easy and for other people that might be difficult. So I, I, I don't know, uh, but what I do know is what are we doing here and what should our goals be? Our goals should be to choose kindness even when we don't feel like it. Choose love even when we don't feel like it. Choose peace even though we don't feel like it. And choose truth even when we don't feel like it. And when we do that, we have demonstrated an exceptionally, a, a very a, 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 a very good kind of love and peace and truth. And that's what we're here to do. You know, I recently heard a spiritual guru, quite a famous man, who explained that the purpose of the universe is to become more conscious. Uh, actually, Judaism would say the purpose of the universe, the, our purpose in the our purpose in the universe is to choose good, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, that's what we're here to do. It, you know, everybody wants to feel good, but most people think the way you feel good is by looking good. And uh, that's not the most authentic way to feel good. The most authentic way to feel good is to choose good. And especially when you choose the good, even though it was a bit of a stretch, but I did it anyways. And I feel even better about the good that I did. Hmm. You know, it's really a powerful summary of, I mean, of really getting to the core of what is a soul doing here on earth. And as I'm thinking about what you're sharing, especially again, choosing kindness, especially when it's tough, choosing love when it might be difficult. I'm thinking God also gave us the Torah with certain commandments, mitzvot, and I think for everybody, there's some of them come relatively easy to us and others are a challenge. But from this way, you're explaining what the soul's purpose is to some degree in any situation and even bringing good into the world. The more the challenge is for me, if there is a mitzvah that is a little bit more challenging for me, it's hard for me to go outside of myself to help somebody to give charity. For example, maybe I worked hard for this money. Well, you know, how can I see a hundred bucks go to someone else if that's difficult for me? But it almost I think I would understand that that actually is a lot more what I call soul power. Because that's the purpose for me is to overcome. If it was super easy to give, that's a good act. But the more significance of the act is actually when it's challenging, if I'm understanding this correctly. You know, that's what unconditional love is. Unconditional love means that there are conditions that are challenging my love, but I overcome them anyways. Because if all the conditions are in favor of my love and supporting my love, where's on the unconditional love? Mm -hmm. Unconditional love happens when there are conditions that are challenging my love, but I choose to act in a loving way nonetheless. Hmm. So the soul isn't meant to be here in this world, so to speak, sitting on the beach, drinking a martini. <laughs> it almost sounds like to some degree, it's like you have to go through um, just like, how is your body going to be built? You have to have some tension. You have to lift some weight. You have to break a sweat. So in a sense, I'm thinking about this is that that's the same thing with soul building is that part of the of understanding our purpose of what our souls are here for. Then it's almost I'm going into this metaphor, just like bodybuilding, there's soul building where we have a constant flow based on our circumstances, character traits or life situations that give opportunities for soul building. And it really comes up to us how we choose to respond to those situations, how much soul building will take place. Yes, uh, there is an author by the name of Scott Peck who wrote a best-selling uh, book on the New York bestseller, New York Times bestsellers list for many, many years. I think it's, it's maybe, maybe the most years of any book. 
he starts his book off with this phrase, life is difficult. And it is. Life is difficult. It actually, the art sages tell us that it wasn't comfortable for man to be created. You know, to be in this world is not, it's, it's not a very comfortable place to be. And we try to convince ourselves that this world is and or should be an amusement park. And we've come here to amuse ourselves. But this world is not an amusement park. This work, this world is a gym. And we came to work out. And, uh, and working out means uh, there's going to be challenges and we're going to flex our muscles. And in this case, we're flexing our willpower. We're building willpower in this world because with the willpower to say yes to kindness and compassion and peace and truth and, and justice, when it's not comfortable, that's amazing. You know, you know, the Jewish people uh, have, have had such an extraordinary, difficult history. And you would wonder what makes the Jewish people the chosen people. You would think that if we're the chosen people, then God would give us the easiest history, you know. But if you're the chosen athlete of one of the greatest coaches in the world, you're being chosen to, put, be, to put, be put through an incredibly rigorous training because you're heading for, you know, greatness. And so, you know, very often you, 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 you have these great spiritual leaders of certain other traditions that found their greatness on a mountain meditating in complete serenity and peace. The Jewish people, on the other hand, had to find their peace in Auschwitz, in a, in a concentration camp, and treat each other like human beings in conditions like that. Wow. Hmm. Now, that's, that's an incredible show of kindness. Wow. And even in an environment where everyone's cruel, and you could easily be cruel too, you choose to not be like them and treat your, your barrack mate with decency and, and compassion and empathy. And that, that, that's where the purpose of the universe becomes incredibly manifest in the weirdest way. Hmm. Because in the most trying conditions, in an environment where cruelty is surrounding you and you maintain your humanness, Wow. And that really goes into the idea that the more challenging the circumstances, the more the more significant choices within those circumstances, that, that when we make a good choice within such challenging circumstances, its significance is in, in, very intense. But then that makes me wonder about our generation. It almost would seem like to a degree we're in trouble because it seems like, I, I maybe I'm generalizing, but I think we're in a mind space nowadays of running away from challenges and running towards amusement on a very regular basis, getting lost in amusement and getting addicted to amusement. And what you're explaining here is that this world is not meant to be an amusement park, and yet we're always going after as much as we can getting lost in the amusement. So how, what does that say for the soul of what's going to be happening to our souls if we're not engaging in the process of building our the soul work? Well, that's one of the remarkable testimonies of this war that we're in, that this generation that many people have been critical of as, as you know, is just chilling out, have been willing to go to Aza and risk their lives. 
you know, and we suddenly realize and see how much greatness in there. And so, um, so it, it, it's actually a, a, a beautiful surprise to see how the, you know, how, how this generation has really mobilized themselves to fight for truth, to fight against evil at the risk of their own lives. Wow. That's really uncomfortable. That's a courageous choice. That's a demonstration of the love of the good when you're willing to die for it. Mm. And then that brings me to a question because the essence of who a person is is a soul and the soul itself never would die. It comes here for a mission on this earth. And that mission, when a person is, you know, I think the height of, as you're explaining, a person willing to die for the values uh, that the soul, the, the essence of the soul that's the highest level I would imagine that the soul can achieve in its purpose here on earth. But one of the things we spoke about last time too, is that the character, we're not actually our character traits. We're not our personality traits. Those are roles that we play. So a person will have a mission here. I'd imagine we'd call it their soul is here with all the various uh, experiences it's supposed to go through and hopefully choices it's supposed to make. How does that play into meaning? I know this is another big topic, but in terms of that we're playing a certain role here for a certain given amount of time. Um, and then, meaning we might be coming back then for future missions? Yes, possibly. Uh, as well as we might complete our missions, you know, and go on to the next dimension of consciousness. And um, all we know is that uh, Judaism says that we are in a constant state of growth and ascent. Mm. Uh, how that's going to look after we leave this world, I don't know. Uh, but um, we're, we're always growing. We're mm. always growing. So with that mind, you know, putting that together with everything you've been sharing here, since as you're pointing out, this is the world that we know. This is right now what we're supposed to be focused on. So understanding that I'm here for a purpose, my soul is here for a purpose, and that purpose is for growth and ascent. And that can and happen. And good. You and know, everybody in their good. situation. Well, so like, let me just to clarify. So the growth and ascent comes from choosing good here in this world. Is that right? Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. And everybody relative to their situation, there's a story about a rabbi that's being tortured by one of our enemies. And he's being tortured by someone whose profession is to be an executioner. And he's torturing this rabbi and and uh, and, and is killing him in a very, very slow manner. Suddenly something overcomes this, this executioner and he says to the rabbi, if I expedite your death, Will I get the next world? And the rabbi said, yes. And so he finished him off and he got the next world. Now that sounds unbelievable. I mean, it's not like he saved the rabbi's life. <laughs> he killed the rabbi. He just had this moment where he went against his grain and his habit and showed compassion by expediting the execution. And he gets the world to come. Because relative to who he is and the world he was in and the upbringing that he had and the culture he was raised in, what he just did was an amazing choice of goodness. And that choice of goodness is your world to come. Hmm. 
And so then for all of us, I mean, I think it really actually gives a lot of clarity because I think sometimes when a person really does think about what am I here for? What's my purpose? What's, and it really comes down to God will send you certain circumstances and certain things that will come easy to you, certain things that are challenging, but it becomes very clear what we're here to do is to choose good and to choose the higher road. Anytime that that's a challenge for us, that means it's actually a tremendous opportunity for me to actually be living the purpose with which my soul is here to fulfill. Right on. And that's a very, very powerful and very clear within a confusing world that actually gives tremendous clarity and light. So I really want to thank you, Rabbi, for this conversation, for getting much clarity on what on earth we are doing here. Why is our souls brought down here? And recognize that sometimes what seems like challenges are really our greatest opportunity, the opportunity to choose good when it's difficult. I want to thank you all for joining us. Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel.